And this is about the hammer of the of the neocon. Look how you think Murdoch News Network, who just got smoked in the speaker thing and everything they told you was a lie and would have led to the destruction of this country if you had followed there. Oh, you're the agents of chaos all weekend revved up in such a neocon. You can't even watch it. You can't even watch it. It's obnoxious. They want us in every war all over the place, American troops, American planes everywhere, and none of their kids serve or very few of them, but none of the stars kids serve go out of their way not to serve. No, yeah, but they want to send you all over there and want to send all your money. The border comes first. I gave a speech on Friday down in Carolina. We're going to have the video. I just laid down to folks, hey, the 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 the, the debt crisis and another huge article, but they can't sell the bonds, the tsunami of treasuries, you can't sell them. The financial crisis we have interlocked with the invasion of our country with 10 million invaders. And now Axios, one of their top stories is that, oh, the public school system is about to be overwhelmed with new migrant children. Like the poor African-American and Hispanic American citizen children in the public schools, what they need right now is more chaos and, you know, have to get more teachers that know foreign languages and have to go for more money they don't have and make their own learning environment even crappier than it is. That's exactly what they need. That's terrific to uh, American uh, citizen children who are African-American and Hispanic. Let's do that. Let's make it even better. Let's make their time even more trying. Any African-American Hispanic parent that votes for these criminals in office, and by the way, not only do you have to secure the border and deport 10 million, you must, I don't care about impeachment anymore, you bring criminal charges against every official that had anything to do with this. You aided and abetted an invasion of our nation, and you must pay criminally. Steve Bannon, ladies and gentlemen, throwing down, throwing down hard, and I like every second of it. I love every second of it. Steve Bannon is my kind of people. Shout out to the entire War Room posse. The entire War Room posse out there in the audience, everybody there at War Room who makes the machine run, Grace Grace Chong, I'm sorry, Grace, Grace Chong, Maureen Bannon, and and last but not least, the the fearless warrior, Steve Bannon, Stephen K. Bannon. Um, we thank you for streaming the podcast every night and continuing to see the the positive impact it's having on the audience over there at Rumble. Many people still haven't seen me yet. They haven't heard me yet. They haven't come across me yet. And we continuously get feedback that that as they do start to find my content, they appreciate the uh, the the real raw, uh, unadulterated truth that we have here on. Please call me crazy. So. With that being said, welcome back to another episode of Please Call Me Crazy, brought to you by Free People Radio and powered by our favorite sponsor, TireGit.com. That's TireGit.com. You have to buy tires from somebody. You might as well buy them from us and help fund the movement, help support the movement. We believe in the freedom of movement, and that's exactly what the establishment wants to take from you now. I am your host, Royce White, here in the belly of the beast, Minneapolis, Minnesota, for episode 124. Today, if you notice, there's a change in the, the color of the thumbnail. Uh, our red thumbnails will start to uh, signify our news-based show or, or our current events-based show. Um, and, and so we want to be able to organize the channel because there will be more channels to come in the very near future. I believe I'm trying to solidify a deal where I work with the great John Fredericks to have a show on his news network, although he and I are 
you know, have been slow to, to pull the trigger on that because I tend to use profanity. And, you know, when you're on national syndicated radio, you can't use profanity. We have certain laws against such things. I'm still going to do the podcast. And on the podcast, I will probably fly off the handle. Uh, depending on how crazy things get, I don't see how things can get much more crazy than they are right now. And, and I'm trying my best not to use profanity, not because I think, not because I think, or, or not because I agree that profanity should be the the hallmark of our Christian identity, which it certainly has become as a sort of a, a, a subsequent result of, of this, this idea that posh, you know, politeness, polished sort of, uh, civil convivialness is is a true sign of American patriotism or Christianity. I don't agree with that. I think in times of war, I think in times when, when your elites have become as corrupt as our elites have become, there's a certain sort of uh, brash, smash mouth, uh, no nonsense, uh, you know, sound the alarm type of approach that that we need to have and, and be willing to digest. However, with that being said, <clears throat> The one reason that I'm starting to think about not using profanity is because the content is having such a, a successful impact and resonance with the audience that people want to share the podcast with their children, and then I, I, I take that as a significant honor. I really do. I don't. I'm, I don't. I don't take that lightly. That that um, I have the fortune to um, to communicate and articulate the things going on in our world at a level with which people want to share it with their children. And, and if I get a chance to speak to the, to the children, I will. Now, when I talk to my young players, sometimes I have to use profanity to, to, to you know, convey a sense of urgency to them as well. Uh, or at least, you know, a lot of, a lot of coaches will, will do that. Um, some coaches don't. So when I cuss on the podcast, if you have your children listening, I apologize to your children and, you know, cover your ears and, and you know, uh, Uncle Royce is is not uh, is not condoning that you use filthy language any and everywhere. But surely, if somebody is 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 wronging you, or if somebody is is attempting to to bring harm to you, uh, you use whatever means necessary to defend yourself, to survive, and and to uh, profess the truth. <clears throat> With that being said, um, we're going to get into a, a, a few more current events here. I'm going to use a few video clips. I like to use the video clips. The technology is good for video clips. And I just want to say before I before I begin uh, to, to reiterate over uh, about an idea over the last few episodes, I'm not condemning sports themselves. And I had people give me feedback and say, well, what about you playing basketball? Or what about, you know, you coaching young kids to play basketball? Shouldn't they just be focused on the, the you know, the crisis at hand? like the great Steve Bannon surely is sounding the alarm on in that video, and, and I love every minute of it. There's nothing wrong with playing sports. I mean, who would I be to look at the, the crisis of obesity and, and lack of physical fitness here in our country uh, and, and say, don't be physically active. Don't, don't pursue physical fitness. Don't, don't in, indulge in uh, physical activity. And sports is a great way to exercise. Sports is a great way to to keep up with your physical fitness you know be fit be active move around move your body i i completely prescribe that actually as as a remedy for a lot of things not just obesity problems or general health issues but but psychological issues and as well as spiritual ones moving your body is one of the most natural things that humans can do in fact we start every episode by saying the establishment wants to limit your freedom of movement 
And the freedom of movement won't just be putting gasoline in your car before you know it. Your actual freedom to move about anywhere in the country will be will be in jeopardy. And, and I truly believe that. I mean, everybody kind of thinks of having a 15 minute city uh, or I think it's a 15 minute, a 15 minute cities. Everybody thinks of having 15 minute cities as some great improvement. I kind of look at it as uh, people accepting their own enslavement and, and, and this sort of psychological brainwashing of, of, of technology and technological advancement. Hey, we're going to restrict you down to a 15-minute little, little area. And, and, you know, aren't you so grateful that uh, this wonder of, of technology and architecture and, and, and industrialization provides you this? And it's like, okay, why would I want to sign up to only be able to go on a 15-minute radius? I mean, wh- what if I want to, you know, I, I don't know. My uncle, who I've admitted on the show before, my great-great-uncle Alfred Aury was, a, uh, was the dean of the dentistry school here at the University of Minnesota. And then he finished his, his uh, work at Columbia before his death, and he is considered to be one of the most influential dentists or, or med- medicine uh, practitioners in, in American history. Uh, and, you know, Professor Penn and I always joke because he was – uh, a Mason, and he had uh, his office was at the Masonic Lodge here in in Minneapolis. His his personal office was in the lodge, which means he was pretty high up the trough in 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 the, in the Masonry uh, order, and doesn't bode well for him. At least where I stand, looking back on history. Now I can't speak to everything that goes on within the Masons. Like I can't speak to everything that goes on within the CIA. Like I can't speak to everything that goes on within the church. Like I can't speak to everything that goes on within the Republican party or, or whatever the case may be, whatever enclave or, or layer of society, there are people who are evil. There are people who are fighting for good. And, and I believe that to be true of all factions of, of our society, wherever there is evil present, good is present in some sense. I truly believe that even if it's in an individual and in their own internal uh, struggle between good and evil, wherever evil is present, God is always there as well. You just have to embrace him and find him and and submit to him. But anyway, my great uncle was a was famous for being a walker. I mean, he just liked to go out and walk. <laughs> he would take his entire class at the University of Minnesota and they would just walk for 90 miles. And yeah, he was a Quaker. He was a Norwegian Quaker and he can't, you know, he was an immigrant. So I get it. He comes from a different time. But but, you know, moving, walking, being outside, being in nature is is a is a very uh healthy thing for human beings to do. So I'm not trying to demonize sports, but what I don't like and maybe it's even even maybe it's even a little personal because I'm an athlete. I never respected people who talk about sports. I never respected people who gossip about sports. I never respected people who gossip about music or talk about music or musicians for a living or, or you know just th- th- there's so many you know there is the there is the sport there is the arena of entertainment, and then there are the layers and layers upon industry that we've built talking and gossiping about entertainment. I love music. I've spoken about my love for Sinatra in that era, and I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an avid enthusiast of many different genres of music, partially because I spent a good portion of time producing music and writing music and, and playing music and being involved with bands. And hopefully when the show gets a little bigger, you'll start to hear us incorporate original music and original soundtrack, uh, original music, um, original uh, 
theme songs and things like that into the podcast and into Free People Radio. Because I think music helps convey a message. It helps, it helps provide uh, something, something essential to, to content. So I'm not against music. I'm not against sports. I'm definitely not against entertainment, right? Go to the circus. But let's not spend 24 hours talking about what we saw at the circus and if it was good or bad. That's unnecessary. And, you know, even I think about it from a sports standpoint with the NBA, and I go, you know, uh, would the game be better without the commentators? Uh, I don't know. You know, having the live audience and hearing their reactions, I, I get it. That There's something to that. A little bit of commentary is good. Sometimes the commentary is god-awful, and it's actually kind of annoying. But, hey, you know, most of the commentary is fine, right? Um, but but the 24-hour the news cycle that they've created on ESPN to talk about the game is just mind blowing. And now because we have YouTube and all these other alternative media sources, now we're gonna, everybody's gonna talk about sports nonstop. It's just, it's overkill. And it's, it, it, is, it, it is actually very far away from sports themselves and, and physical activity and physical fitness. Hey, you wanna do jujitsu? Do jujitsu, I love it. Prepare for combat, you may need it one day. One day soon, in fact. You wanna do Thai boxing or kickboxing? That's great. You want to go and learn and learn firearms training and, and work on your, uh, you know, uh, CQB or, or whatever the case may be. Fine. Perfect. You know, you want to spend time shooting at the range. That's sort of a sport in some ways, although it's useful for self-defense as well. That's great. Right. But let's not spend a lot of time. And here's the thing about politics. Here's the thing about why this show and talking about politics is appropriate, because politics is actually the arena of ideas. There is no other way to do politics other than to have discussion. The, the sole point of politics is, number one, policy, but we arrive at proper, useful uh, policy through oratory and, and, you know, oratory and, and, let's say, community conversation. So politics, you know, and and they've don't get me wrong they've created a 24 hour kind of entertainment uh you know business model and and corporatocracy around the entertainment of politics and they they want politics to be entertaining which is why I started off with the great Steve Bannon and War Room if you want real news if you want real politics real conversation without the happy talk you go to War Room you go find War Room you listen to War Room they took them down off of YouTube but you can always watch War Room on Rumble and you can always watch Roar Room live streamed on Getter. Uh, and, and that's a very, very good place to start. People always say, what are you reading? What are you listening to? Well, I was reading the best and the brightest. I left my book out there on, on the broadcast table from my, my interview yesterday with, uh, with Hotep Jesus. Um, but, but, you know, I listen to Steve a great deal. Uh, I listen to Alex a great deal. Me, actually, I spend a lot of my time going back and doing historical research through documentaries and, and footage that came before the, what, what I would say is the, uh, the strong arm on the mainstream media of, of very politically slanted coverage, right? And, and I'm not saying that the media wasn't always sort of a, a security state and CIA psyop in, in, in some regards, that it wasn't a mechanism of control because... We have declassified record that very early on in, in our security state or intelligence community, they had, uh, you know, ambitions to use media to control the narrative. So I, I get that. But there was a time in this country where the media was a little more straight up and down. 
in my opinion. Where we've come to now is absolutely abhorrent in every sense of the of the word. Um, the media is completely slanted. It's it's completely politicized, and it's it's uh, dangerously uh, anti-American to say the very least. So. Continue to do your sports. I mean, if it's pickleball, I don't care what you do. You know, play sports, but don't talk about sports all, all day. And and the reason I'm saying don't talk about sports is there is action we can take. And I want to start here after listening to Steve and making my clarifications about sports and physical fitness because I do want all of you to be physically fit. I do want all of you to be active and moving around and, and, and preparing your body for combat and survival because that may actually need be uh, – that may actually be – necessary in the very near future. Um, but there is action we could take. And people say, well, well what, what's the solution? You know, you talk, you talk, you talk. What's the solution? Well, let me help you. We had some technical difficulties with Dan Schultz's interview, which I'm very upset about because I thought it was a very good podcast. It was balanced. It was measured. It was it was succinct. Uh, and, and we explored some ideas. We we went out into some, you know, some some deep places. But we also were very methodical about the tact for this upcoming election cycle, and it revolves around the precinct strategy. And if you didn't hear me say it before, I'll say it again for those who may be new. There is something we can do. And because I'm saying this in favor of Republican Party politics does not mean I don't see the corruption of Republican Party politics. In fact, the Donald Trump movement, the MAGA movement, was started um, pointing out the corruption of Republican Party politics, the civil war that they used to indict the America First congressmen and women or anybody else in the country for the current discord in the Republican Party is exactly the reason why you should get involved. And that's how the, that's how the PSYOP really works when it comes to the mainstream media. MSNBC sees that the Republican Party has a few truth tellers that really want to try and change the status quo and they demonize them as radicals and extremists. In fact, I have a video that I'm going to show you in a moment of Nancy Pelosi saying that exact thing, which should tell you a lot. Right. But the Republican Party is is the entry point, and I'm telling you to go into the Republican Party, to go to precinctstrategy.com, to go into the Republican Party, because the Republican Party has a certain BPOU system, mechanism, all across the country. And the BPOUs and the delegates are the people who decide who gets the endorsement from the party in its respective area of the country, state, you know, the the entire thing. So the BPOU and the delegate uh, system is, is very important. The caucuses are very important. Find out when your state's caucus is. You can go into the caucus without even being a member of the Republican Party in many states. So even if you don't join the Republican Party now, ahead of the election, or ahead of the election cycle, which starts well before November, right? In Minnesota, our caucuses are coming up in February. Right? So that's about, you know, right this week, I'm going to be putting my foot to the to, to the gas pedal, you know, pedal to the metal in terms of getting out and getting the delegates prepared and, and, and make, making them aware of, of my Senate bid, right? So I can try and get that Senate campaign uh, or that Senate endorsement. But who is endorsed by the candidates is important for one simple reason. If you get the endorsement and you are have the fortune to not be primaried, 
you get a clear runway to start to go to work on the narrative with the Democrats or whoever your Democrat opponent would be. And that's obviously something that, that is good. Now, this is also used in the reverse sometimes where people say you shouldn't primary a candidate even if they're not America first because it takes away from the resources to go and in, into in, their general election and we'd rather have any Republican than a Democrat. That ain't true. And that's where the America first movement is coming into real conflict with the establishment Republican rhino neocon uh, uh, elite or party higher ups. We don't believe that having any Republican is just a, is, is better than having a Democrat. That's where party politics go too far. That's where playing partisan politics becomes uh, a scam. And especially when the Republicans that we're talking about um, do us no do us no more justice than the than the uh, than the Democrats do in many respects. Actually, again, they come together as a unipart uniparty, and they put cultural wedge issues to to present. Uh, an illusion of of conflict or you know some type of some type of uh, friction between the two parties when really they're just stealing our money and they're getting us caught up in the wedge issues while they steal our money five trillion dollars on the right you got the military industrial complex two to three trillion a year on the left you got the health care you know Medicaid Medicare another two to three trillion a year right six trillion dollars whack it up amongst 4,000 people, you got good eating, right? You got good eating for, you know, a good eating, reliable, predictable, consistent business, which is why term limits would be a great thing, right? So um, the precinctstrategy.com, go to precinctstrategy.com. Don't ask me about action. Don't ask me about solutions. If you haven't been to precinctstrategy.com, and if you're not willing to, surrender your prejudgments. Surrender that nihilism about the political process. We may get cheated. We may lose. But you lose 100% of the battles that you don't show up to fight. I tell my young guys, you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. You lose 100% of the time when you don't show up. And part, part of politics, party politics, part of, of, of any uh, domain of, of our society, a huge part of it is just showing up. In a representative uh, democracy, in a constitutional republic, how we do politics here in America, half of the battle is just showing up. Who's going to show up? Well, we know that the, the, the elites of our country are very good at, at picking, at selecting, at getting their people to show up, getting certain people to show up, people who do their bidding. We have to start to show up as well. Um. What Steve Bannon is talking about here in this opening clip, and I'm going to play it for you again just in case uh, anybody is just joining the show. <clears throat> and when I go to these clips and when I do these news shows, again, look for the red thumbnail. We, we tried to color code them along with the color palette of Please Call Me Crazy. So you have a lot of these similar colors that will be uh, displayed in the attire and the apparel on the show. I mean, in the store, on the apparel in the store. Uh, when that is up and running, we're still dealing with some technical difficulties on on you know already dropship platform with that, but never never the, nevertheless ne never mind that it'll be there when it's there. Hopefully, when it's there, you find time to stop by freepeopleradio.com, pick up a few items, contribute a few dollars, and and that is what it is. We're not doing this for money. We'd like to break even so that we can not go bankrupt and keep giving you content. But nobody should be getting rich off of politics or culture or or. Uh, evangelical work, <clears throat> in my opinion. 
So when I do these shows with the clips, sometimes I'll go back to a clip. And this one by Steve Bannon just fits in perfectly. I mean, I messaged Steve, and we haven't even talked for the last week or so. He was busy. I think he was, you know, doing a speech there uh, on the East Coast and had some family uh, gathering that that he and, and, the, and the clan were, the, the group were, were doing. Um, we haven't even really talked in the last week. And uh, I think it's 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 just it's strange when you have friends or you have you know mentors or you have people and you see the world in a in a very similar fashion and then you just stop by their show to catch up on what they're talking about and they're saying the exact same thing you're saying with a different tone in a different hour on a different set of 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 uh, topics but but down the exact same line of country. And that's exactly what Steve is talking about here. He's talking about how, you know, they're, they're ratcheting up the, the, the war machine there on Fox News and they're, they're basically attacking America first like they always do. And he's just saying, look, you can barely even listen to it. It's obnoxious. It's obnoxious. And he, he calls the neocons out right, right, right from the jump, right? And he also calls out another very important scam that's being run right now is that the immigration now, the illegal immigration is going to overwhelm the public school system. So we're supposed to let, you know, unlimited people into the country. And, and when it overwhelms the school system, we are supposed to do what exactly? And who does this affect? Black and Hispanic communities that already have significant trouble with their public schooling. And do we need a, a reform of public schooling? Absolutely. Let's start with what we teach our kids. Civics, American civics, civic duty, that should go back into the curriculum by mandate. By government mandate, every single school that gets federal money should be should be um, having their children take American civics class in their formative education. Every single school that gets federal money. If you got a charter school or if you got a if you got a private school and you for some reason you don't think American civics is important, hey, I I, I guess you you know you you can do what you want to do, but for me, for me. I would say American civics is probably the most important thing that we need to reinstill back into our children's education. So I want to play you the clip one more time, if I can. Bear with me here. Let's see if I can get this up and running by myself. Oh, there we go. And this is about the hammer of the of the neocon. Look out. You think Murdoch News Network, who just got smoked in the speaker thing and everything they told you was a lie and would have led to the destruction of this country if you had followed there. Oh, you're the agents of chaos. All weekend, revved up in such a neocon. You can't even watch it. You can't even watch it. It's obnoxious. They want us in every war all over the place, American troops, American planes, everywhere, and none of their kids serve. Or very few of them, but none of the STARS kids serve, go out of their way not to serve. No, yeah, but they want to send you all over there and want to send all your money. The border comes first. I gave a speech on Friday down in Carolina. We're going to have the video I just laid down to folks, hey, the, 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 the debt crisis and another huge article, but they can't sell the bonds, the tsunami of treasuries, you can't sell them. The financial crisis we have interlocked with the invasion of our country with 10 million invaders. And now Axios, one of their top stories is that, oh, the public school system is about to be overwhelmed with new migrant children. Like the poor African-American and Hispanic 
American citizen children in the public schools. What they need right now is more chaos and, you know, have to get more teachers that know foreign languages and have to go for more money they don't have and make their own learning environment even crappier than it is. That's exactly what they need. That's terrific to American citizen children who are African-American and Hispanic. Let's do that. Let's make it even better. Let's make their time even more trying. Throwing down. Throwing down exactly as he should. You know, Steve Bannon is my tribe of people. I mean, we're at a point in American history where there is no more black, there is no more white, there is no more, you know, there is no more Hispanic, there is no more Asian. And I know he's pointing out an injustice of, of sorts that's being done or waged against black and Hispanic communities. And it's worthy to note. But in the final analysis, there is no more race. I mean, we deal with race in terms of its historical significance, and we can deal with it in terms of how the establishment wants to use it or, or wants to weaponize it uh, to, to co-opt us or to convince us or to sell us a, a dream or a, or, or a bag of uh, wooden nickels even uh, about our American citizenship and the value. But people would look at Steve Bannon, and I see criticism all the time that says, hey, you know, why are you following Steve Bannon around? He's a white supremacist. First, I know right away you've never heard Steve Bannon talk. And secondly, I don't look at color in that way. The first measure of whether or not I want to align myself with you is what you're willing to sacrifice to speak the truth, what you're willing to give up in the interest of freedom. First, your own individual freedom, but then in in concentric circles, uh, with your family and your faith and your country and your nation and, and the you know citizenship as a whole. What are you willing to give up? What are you willing to surrender? What are you willing to, to, to sacrifice? That, that word is, is, should, be, should be central for, for Christians. What are you willing to sacrifice in the interest of the truth? Steve Bannon is a part of my tribe. Love him to death. It's a great man right there. Um, the neocons, they want us to go to war everywhere. And if you think this, and if you think that we should be spending time on anything else other than sorting out our political worldview and where we're going to support, who we're going to support based on the things that are happening in the world, then you're not really paying attention to the world. And then your citizenship is squandered. And whether you're black or Hispanic or you're white or you're Asian or whatever your, your enclave of, of, of demographic in the country is, LGBTQ, women, old, young, I don't know, whatever, it doesn't matter. Whatever your enclave is, there is a, there is a, political, there is a political revolution taking place right now on the world stage. And, and that which happens globally will affect you locally. And if you fail to realize that, um, whatever you think you're doing in your life will eventually be systematically co-opted by forces unbeknownst to you. Now, if you're all in for the globalist agenda, then those forces are beknownst to you. And, you know, you probably like the way thing, you know, where things are headed. Or maybe you're a nihilist and you don't care what happens. You just want to see the world burn. And I take extreme offense to the MSNBC types who know that the current trajectory of what they are doing, their intellectual elites are doing to this country, will end in chaos and ruin. And then they call us extremists who don't want to be governed. In fact, I'd like to go find that clip for you real quick just to buttress what I'm saying about our elites and and this sort of um, strange uh, reverse 
criticism that they always seem to to be able to pull on us. Um, one second here, let me prime this up for you. But this is Nancy Pelosi. I mean, and look, can Nancy Pelosi ever tell the truth? Probably. There might be some things that she can tell the truth about. I don't see it too often. But hey, it's possible. But I just know, you know, when I hear Nancy Pelosi speak, like my 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 dear friend Jason Whitlock said about me, if my mouth is moving, I'm probably lying. Here's somebody who, if her mouth is moving, she's probably lying, right? Um, that that's something you could certainly say about Nancy Pelosi with with great utility. Um, so I just want to play this for you, if I can. One moment here. I usually have these videos queued up, but I'm going to play this for you right here. And producing the show by yourself, hey, it makes it, you know, it makes it fun. It makes it so you don't have to necessarily concern yourself with uh, making unlimited money to try and stay afloat. Don't have to pay anybody to produce the show. It's just me. You know, may have to wait a few seconds while I while I scrum through some videos. In the future, as I start to do these more consistently, I'll get a completely different device. Right now, today I'm running it off my phone. This is one of the first times that I'm that I'm doing this. Um, but as I get better with it, I'll get an iPad and I have all of my my videos for the Wednesday news show loaded up, and and we'll just zoom through them one, two, three. So here we go. Something's wrong with this picture. And I just think that if we can just get over this and the Republicans can be their true self, their conservative self, not not fringe element off the spectrum of where you are in terms of the role of government. They don't believe in governance. Understand that. So this for them is not any break in the action. They don't want yes, any they, action. Yes, exactly. This is it. This they is like a, Glory, hallelujah. The same day. These extremists, these MAGA Republicans, we don't want to be governed. We, we don't want to be governed. We won't accept governance. We're, we're so fringe. We're such a fringe element. I mean, the, the arrogance of this woman is mind-boggling. It, you know, it's one thing to lie to other people. It's another thing to lie to yourself and, and to 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 say something so dishonest with so much consistency and so much conviction, I mean, there's a part of you that actually has to start to believe it. Right? And I think that's, that's, what we, that's what we misinterpret about who some of these people are who oppose freedom in this country and America's foundational values. We seem to think they're just telling lies. They don't really believe any of it. No, some of these people are so riddled with psychosis which when you live a life that isn't anchored in the truth and you start to drift off of the path of truth, real unadulterated, real raw truth, um, that neurosis turns to psychosis. And before you know it, you have to believe in the lies in order to keep your, your sanity. And that's a depraved place to be where the lie that you tell yourself upholds the, the foundations, the psychological foundations of your, of your sanity. And that's why, for me, one of the first remedies to my anxiety, remember yesterday, in yesterday's episode, or last night's episode, I talked about angst and despair, which are two philosophical terms, and that both of them are emergent, right? Angst is emergent. Despair is emergent. Angst is emergent in that every day you wake up, 
Uh, you have that that innate sort of impulse to get up and go, to move. Without that angst, you wouldn't do anything. I mean, you'd just be kind of a zombie figure, right? That angst, that that internal ticker, that internal voice, that clock that tells us, get up and move, you know? And, and part of that resides in our, our conscious our consciousness, our our awareness, our knowledge, the gift of our knowledge of our own demise, which also can create that angst. Like there's a time, you know, you only get so many days, you only get so many breaths in this, this lifetime. Uh, the eternal is something different. And once you, and that's one side. And then the despair is, hey, it will come to an end. All things will come to an end. This isn't what you would call an epistemological an epistemological axiom that that creates a dynamic that both makes life troublesome, that makes it tumultuous, that makes it uh, hard, tough, but also beautiful. Because the angst and despair that we all face is remedied through our submission to God and his grace and charity. And what a, what a brilliant setup we have, right? Here you got a woman who claims to be a Catholic with all due respect, spit on the floor. This woman is an absolute liar. And you can tell the schism of her mind is so, so broken that part of her really believes what she said. And, and, you, and she's wearing it, right? I mean, Nancy Pelosi's wearing it on her face. She looks like a ghoul. She really does. She's, she's a ghoul. And I don't mean to talk about senior citizens and whatnot. And I was one of the few Republicans that was willing to say the thing that happened with Paul Pelosi was absolutely strange in every sense. And you know, I don't know what some of these freaky D.C. cartel people are into in their private sex life. It's not really my issue. If they would come to the, the well of the Congress or the, the people's house and do the people's business in the interest of the American people, I really, I really wouldn't care much what they do in their private life. It just so happens there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, correlation between the alleged depravity of these people in their personal lives and how they sell us out when they, when they are in office. And when they get out of office and they're lobbying or they're, you know, consultants or, you know, it's just it's just a swamp. Right. And, and Donald Trump called that out. And as we go forward here, his his words are aging better and better. Right. So Nancy Pelosi says these MAGA Republicans are a fringe element of the Republican Party. If they would just be their true conservative selves. Right? And what she's talking about is a is a time that was more that was more easy for her, a time that was more convenient where, where the Republicans, where the conservatives were really just neocons, <laughs> right? When they were just neocons and, and sort of milk toast rhino conservatives who talked about low taxes and low regulation. I mean, that was easy. Then we could run the stage play a little bit easier. I mean, why all of this friction? She's almost, she's almost insulting you to a level that's, that's, you know, more than offensive. I mean, it's hostile, right? I mean, she thinks you're so stupid that you'll you'll believe that Matt Gates is this radical fringe element of the Republican Party and doesn't represent the deplorable base of of oh, tens of millions of people that voted for Donald Trump in in 2020. That voted MAGA in 2022. She wants you to believe that that this is just some little small some little small fringe element of the Republican Party or the conservative movement. When on the flip side, there in San Francisco, she wants you to believe that the, the trans activists or the, the trans movement within the LGBTQ should take center stage as a, as a priority of, of, of America's political focus. Right. 
America first policy pursuers, America first politicians, America first worldview holders in communities all across the entire country who make up probably at least, at least 60 to 70 million American citizens, if not more. Some of them didn't even vote. Those people are the fringe. I mean, talk about democracy and then the silent majority that you're trying to other by, by pure political supremacy and elitism. Nancy, screw yourself. I mean, with, with, with no due respect, screw yourself. San Francisco, the capital of the LGBTQ, home of Bohemian Grove, the freak show from, from Freak Island, and, 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 and those people should, their, their lifestyle, which they, could, which they could do in private with little to no in, in, intrusion, with little to no impediment, their lifestyle should be the political focus of the entire country when they represent a very small portion of the population, but maybe a hundred million people who believe in America first politics are the fringe. This is the type of lie that they're willing to tell you. I mean, this, this, this is exactly the type of arrogance and elitism that we're facing in this country. And, and it doesn't stop there. I mean, the Nancy Pelosi's, and I, I can continue to, to, to talk about Nancy Pelosi until the cows come home, because I really, really have a problem with, with that particular brand of, of, um, lifelong, uh, you know, DC insider, not, uh, I don't mean to say, say insider trading. There is some insider trading that goes on with Nancy Pelosi. Obviously she's batting a thousand when it comes to stocks and, and, and trades, but, um, that sort of insider, uh, DC elite that, that's made a career, a lifelong career out of politics. I got a, I got a particular aversion to that, to, to these people. These people are, are exactly the status quo that that has a betrayed the country, but 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 even more so gotten rich during the decline. And I said that yesterday. I said it on Monday's show. I think I said it last weekend. Show me a time in human history. Show me a time in human history when the the declining empire, when the elites from the declining empire got rich as the as the empire went down, as the ship sunk. You can't show me one. It didn't happen in the Roman Empire. The, the, the Roman elites, the, the, the Roman aristocracy or the, the, the Roman, uh, you, know, you know, upper, upper class or, or, or wealthy, uber wealthy, they only had their coffers emptied as the empire went down, as the ship sunk. Um, or, or they had to, you know, they had to skip town with the, with the silver and the gold and the rubies. And, you know, they had to go live off of what they already had. There was no stability. You know, their net worth suffered as the Roman Empire went down. These people are getting richer as, the Rome, as, as Rome falls, as the walls fall, as the walls go down, you know, as the, as the hordes, uh, you know, invade. Not the whores, the hordes with a D. As the hordes invade, uh, these people continue to get richer. And here, they'll, you know, they'll send these type of people. I got a clip here of Greta Thunberg talking about vegan warfare. I mean, it, it's so, it, it glows so much, it's hard to even look at it with a straight face. But you have to look at it with a straight face because people take it very serious. And I'm going to show you here in a moment a clip of some strange art style, 
I, I don't know how to even explain it. You have to really see it for yourself. Uh, so if you if you're listening, I would I would uh, recommend that you find one of our one of our channels or platforms to watch this particular clip. I'll also post it on my Twitter. If you just are completely adamant against YouTube or or if for some reason you're not on Rumble and you want to see the clip, I'll post it on my Twitter later on to, this this evening. Um, but there is a, a a clip of a strange art show where there there are two people who are holding a man laying on his back with two sticks in his hand and they're dragging him along. Uh, this this floor and he's got a candle sticking out of his rear end and and I don't I don't play it to be funny although it is humorous it, you know one of those you have to laugh to stop from crying kind of deals um, but there is a crowd of people around watching and for the life of me I I don't know what these people are thinking I mean these people seem like the fringe to me where I come from, the reason why Steve Bannon resonates with me is because where I come from, the black men that, that, that you know, hold up the community as best they can with all of its many imperfections, the, the black men that I grew up around, you know, they look at this stuff as fringe. This is fringe. And to be quite honest, I'm from a place that's pretty diverse here in the Twin Cities, Minnesota, right? We got a huge Somali immigrant community. We have a huge Hmong immigrant community we always always have, at least in my lifetime since the, the early 90s. Um, we have a huge population of Hispanics, my family being, you know, original immigrants from Mexico, part of my family being originally immigrated here from Mexico themselves. Uh, and, we, and we have a bunch of other, you know, nationalities from Europe, Europe as well, you know, Polish and, and Irish German. And, you know, so it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a melting pot here in Minneapolis for sure. And I don't know anybody who thinks that this is normal. This type of strange, you know, uh, artistic, yuppie, uh, you know, esoteric, you know, uh, sexual art kind of cohort. But we're supposed to resurrect statues of Lilith in these people's honor and in, in defense of these people's right to, uh, to, to the American dream. Look, the American dream is yours, is, is there for you to take, for you to have. If you want to buy a, a, an art studio and you want you and 50 of your friends to, to, to go in the art studio and get half naked and whip each other and drag each other around to, to orchestral music and, and pour water or wax or, or blood or whatever you want on one another, fine. You're an American citizen. I think it's kind of strange. We should probably be watching you because chances are you're going to escalate the 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 level of perversion at some point and somebody's going to get hurt. So I think we should probably be watching you, but you're free to do what you want to do. Just let's not make it our political focus as a country, especially when we're $33 trillion in debt and we're on the verge of nuclear war. Here we have their, 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 uh, their starlet, Greta Thunberg, who's gotten older, by the way, and uh, age hasn't done her well. I don't mean to make ad homonyms about um, teenage teenagers, but um, this woman is about as satanic looking as you could possibly imagine. I mean, if if I was gonna pick a young girl to play a young possessed, uh, eclectic, um, you know, authoritarian sort of protege for for some aristocratic global elite, Greta Thunberg would surely be it. Here we go. Specifically for the planet. War is always bad, specifically for the planet. If we want to continue uh, fighting battles, 
like environmentally conscious humans, we must make the change to sustainable tanks and weaponry. There are so many new concepts for our battery-powered fighter jets that can carry many more um, missiles, biodegradable missiles, of course. Something literally everybody can do to stop this nonsense is, for example, block the roads to gardens and farms so the plants don't get overrun by these heavy, heavy tanks. Hand grenades, very important. If you use hand grenades, please use vegan grenades. No animal should have to give their life for all this mayhem and chaos. They have a special sticker on them. You really can't miss them in the uh, grenade market or wherever you buy them. Yeah, I cover all of this and more in my newest book, Vegan Wars. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's very, very, very un unprofessional of me. I thought I was doing well this episode and keeping it professional and not using any profanity. But this woman, this young woman is an absolute nut job. This is the uh, eschatological crisis <laughs> of, of this utopian, egalitarian, uh, sort of uh, globalist, technocrat, uh, atheist mindset. I mean, vegan grenades with a special sticker, if we're going to do war, we should do war vegan. We should have biodegradable tanks. I mean, this woman, this woman is pitching for a whole new type of military industrial complex. <laughs> she doesn't want war to stop. She just wants to make sure if war has to continue, then we should at least make it biodegradable, right? I mean, let's not let our, our flaws as, as human beings come down to bear too much on the earth. And uh, I, I don't know if she actually thinks that this is reasonable. I mean, imagine walking in to the United Nations summit and telling the Chinese or the Russians or the Iranians or the Turks or, or anybody else on the world stage that, that America and the West is now going to lead the revolution to, to can completely change um, the, the fundamental materials, the base materials used in, in modern warfare. I mean, is this woman some type of strange, uh, well, I know the answer. She's definitely working for the security state, probably at an international level, uh, to get, to get you know, Western white people guilt, feeling guilty, self-loathing, and, and accepting the, the decline of the West. Because if they don't accept the decline of the West, then, then we can't have a smooth transition of power to a China-centric future. And, and that is kind of the, the, the danger on the horizon. I mean, how many, how many corporations, how many mainstream outlets, how many people are going to give this little nut job a, a, a platform to, to, to spew this nonsense? And I want to go back and show you, you know, these are the things I start to look at. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I want to show you this, this liberal white woman who's sitting on the couch as a host. And, and just look at how, look at how she affirms Greta Thunberg. Look at the enthusiasm that she has in her face, uh, you know, as she kind of pacifies Greta Thunberg's uh, ideas here. I mean, this is the real edifice of, of, of the white liberal woman, which, which stretches from here all the way to the, the European Union. Important. If you use hand grenades, please use vegan grenades. No animal should have to give their life for all this mayhem and chaos. They have a special sticker on them. You really can't miss them in the uh, grenade market or wherever you buy them. Yeah, I cover all of this and more. Yeah, I mean, and she's just nodding her head yes. And, you know, part of it is this, uh, you know, part of that is this, um, part of that is this, uh, you know, this just 
this sort of fake, you know, TV interviewer style persona deal that we all see across the mainstream media, whether it be internationally, nationally, and even at the local level. It always bothered me, and it always, um, it always motivated me, or, or you could say encouraged me to one day get involved with broadcasting just because I could see how fake this sort of broadcasting TV guy persona really, really was. And I think that's why a guy like Steve Bannon exploded onto the scene. And a guy like Alex Jones has always had great success because they don't do that I'm on TV thing, right? Like, I'm on the radio thing. And um, that that thing that people do causes them to to kind of have this, this zombie-like smile where they, they pacify whatever the person they're, interview, they're interviewing is saying. I mean, biodegradable grenades, it's, it's absolutely absurd. And, and on that note, while we're talking about war, um, I'm going to make a slight transition to uh, some news there from the Middle East. I've always said that we can't trust the Turks and that this whole NATO alliance is built on a house of cards, a corrupt house of cards, to be quite honest. The corruption, number one, and that we're going to protect the entire NATO union or we're going to pay more money than everybody else. Um, we have a bigger GDP, and we pay two, three times, four times as much as everybody else, two times as much as everybody else. I think other people are paying in 1%, 1.5%, 2%, and we're paying in 4 5% plus when everybody goes to war, right? I mean, who's coming to, 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 to foot the bill? The American taxpayer. So um, I've always said that this NATO alliance was built on a house of cards, and, and Turkey is a great example. I mean. How's this going to work now, all right? What what are we going to do here? Again, I go back to this conflict in Israel and Palestine because like Steve Bannon said, our border is the first priority. This country is the first priority. Before we get to that, there was something I was thinking I wanted to say about America and borders because some of my black audience members out there have this, this, you know, nihilism towards America still and, and patriotism and the idea of citizenship, you know. America's going to fail. America doesn't love you. America isn't isn't what you need to be focused on. You need to be focused on, uh, you know, black people getting reparations and whatnot. And, and first off, cut the shit, okay? Let, let's just talk brass tack here. A nation, you know, th- th- there comes a point in time when a man has to stop what he's doing, look in the mirror, reorganize him, organize his thoughts so he can reorganize his life and get back to something that's more reasonable, something that's more uh, feasible, something that's more uh, something that's more humble, something that, that works better. Right? A man gets too far out over his skis sometimes in life and he has to he has to bring things back down to the simple. And to bring things back down to the simple, his thoughts may actually get more complex, more sophisticated. His the 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 scope of his thoughts and ideas may expand, but the the footprint of his actions will start to constrain, if that makes sense. That's where real growth is. That's why many of our intellectual and philosophical thought leaders throughout history were people who spent very little time uh, doing a, a lot of things, and they spent a lot of time thinking about very deep things. There's, pro- there's profundity in that. I think at a moment, you know, different moments in history, more people were more interested in 
and true intellectual growth. Intellectual growth is the is the gateway to spiritual growth, you could say, right? It's not just enough to love Christ and know God or know Christ and, and submit to God and submit to Christ, but to understand why, to understand why so you can understand how, so you can understand when you come across the enemy, how not to let the enemy have this effect on your soul. That takes a level of wisdom, and wisdom doesn't come cheap. Wisdom comes at a great cost. It comes at a great expense. It comes at a great price. But the price usually is that the price isn't anything, isn't anything, um, isn't anything monetary. It's not something you pay for. It's something you discover. It's something you discover usually within your own mind, within your own thoughts. That's why I never undermine or or talk down to the audience. Because if if anything, uh, I hope to be able to do in this podcast. It's to inspire you to think deeper, to inspire you to think differently, inspire you to think at all. I'm not here to play upon your rage and emotion. I'm here to, 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 to mentor an audience that I hope we build slowly, but, but steady in quality, not quantity, of eventually a million people, let's say, a million subscribers, a million subscribers who actually are armed intellectually, philosophically, with the with the the currency, the currency of intellect and, and philosophy to really go out and change the world around them, change their reality as best they can, as much as they can, as much as their their circumstance will allow them to. But do they even have the proper foundations of thought to maximize what they can change in the world? Many of us don't. And in that, what that is the greatest systemic injustice that the West has done to its own people. And right now, the root, the, the, the chickens are coming home to roost because of it. Because we all thought in this crazy, crony capitalist, you know, sort of uh, monopolistic kind of mentality, industrialization, which then turned to globalization mentality, we all thought, hey, the dumber the people are, the better. The easier we can pull the, the money scam on them. The easier we can steal from them. The easier we can misrepresent them or mislead them or divide them so we can conquer them. We all thought that was a, an efficacious uh, strategy. In fact, it was kind of baked into early American culture, right? Every man for himself. Right? May the best man win, you know, kind of business dealing. And it's not bound by morals or ethics. Right? When you don't do business, when you have capitalism unbound by morals and ethics, you have the, the, the predicate for, for corruption. I mean, in its most, in its most unfiltered kind of, kind of uh, sense. Um, so that's why the intellectual is so important. That's why the philosophical is so important. That's why the way we think itself is, is very important. And so we are on the brink of war. It's very clear that we're on the brink of war. And now it's going to become a, a, a West versus East thing. And, and how do we deal with this? How, how do we square this? How, how, how do we start to view the conflict and, and what we as American citizens should be voting for in the next election? When we say America first, what do we mean? Do we mean America is not going to be involved anywhere around the world? Or do we mean America doesn't need to be involved in every thing around the world. There's a difference. And true leaders, whichever leaders we pick, are going to have to have to discern which things we get involved in and which things we don't get involved in. 
But the first priority is our border. The first priority is, is as a nation having that, that, that wisdom right now to understand we're out over our skis. We're the man who has to take a step back, look in the mirror, not let anybody trample over us, not let anybody harm us, not become self-loathing and self-hating and, and, and sit back and accept victimization for some strange guilt complex that we've built about being American which we're supposed to accept through some proxy of, of the, the, the overrepresentation of white males. I mean, give me a break, Greta Thunberg, uh, Rachel Maddow, uh, uh, Joy Ann Reed, uh, Cuck Joe, and all you other neoliberal, uh, you know, leftist progressive whack jobs. You, you, actually, you actually think that I'm so dumb as a young black man that I'm supposed to accept the decline of America and my citizenship through a proxy of your very esoteric claim that all white men are bad, all white men bad, like Ilhan Omar said, give me a break. I'm not doing it. I'm not that stupid. I'm just not that stupid. It's insulting. I'm not giving up my citizenship because white men in the past did something that I don't agree with or something that I think was terrible, horrible, atrocious, sinful, whatever it is. I'm not giving up my citizenship today because white men did something bad in the past. That's just stupid. That's dumb. But I'm supposed to let your selected white men run the show, like Cuck Joe or Joe Biden or, the, I don't know, Gavin Newsom or now, you know, Dean Phillips from Minnesota is going to make a presidential. I mean, give me a break. I'm not, come on. I'm, I'm just not doing it. This is, this is absurd in every sense of the word. I'm not doing it. And none of you out there should do it. And, and, while, and while we're talking about it, none of you white men out there should accept this narrative that America is destined to fail or that we should accept this decline and this transition of power to a more, a more uh, fair and equitable global government who has a better view, a better perspective on things than the, than the white men in America could possibly have because, hey, history doesn't speak favorably for you. You tell these people to go screw themselves, okay? Go screw yourself. We are American citizens. We can repent with God for the things in our past, for the things we've done individually. And the best way to do that is not to give over to a satanic global governance. The best governance, the best way to do that is to realize we're out over our skis as a nation, the same way we have to as individual people. Look in the mirror. Take the time to think. I mean, truly think. What are our life goals? What are our life's ambitions? What is a healthy life? What does it consist of? What would you like your life to look like? And then how can you take the steps to start to put that in motion? Maybe it starts off slow. Maybe you start off uh, you know, in, in, in little small steps. Maybe you make big decisions. You create new boundaries in your own personal life. And maybe as a nation, we need to create new boundaries as a nation. And, and that's all good. But we got to start to look in the mirror and really ask ourselves very, very tough questions. And none of the answers are going to be easy. All of those are behind us because we let it get to this point. But hey, it's not over. It's not over. It's going to be over if we submit to global governance out of self-doubt. It's going to be over if we allow ourselves to continue out over our skis to the point where we tip right over and, and can no longer um, keep our balance. Uh, and, and with that being said, hey, 
turkey. But what are we going to do here, right? I said it, I've said it 10 times. You cannot trust Erdogan. I mean, Erdogan is, is with everybody and nobody, right? And now he's going to rile up. I mean, he's making, he's, he's giving a speech there, a public speech in front of what looks like 20,000, 30,000, maybe 50,000 people there in Turkey. Giving a speech about a West versus East that's on the horizon. And yes, the West and the East may come to sword. We may cross swords here. I got my money on us if we're led by people who don't actually want to see the decline and, and the destruction of the West when we go to war. If that's the case, if we have people who actually want to see the decline and destruction of the West when we cross swords with the East, yeah, we are going to have a tough day in the office. But we can, be, we can win that fight. We can, we can beat them. We can win. We can win. And at best, we can fight them to a stalemate. For sure. Now, how does that all shake out? I don't know. I don't even know if we're really going to war. I just hear the rhetoric. Now, everybody may be at this point in human history where they ratchet up the rhetoric for whatever political Ponzi scheme they're going to try and pull on the international stage or within their own set of domestic political circumstances, right? Everybody has a game they have to play. Everybody has uh, a balance they have to. And so as you see like a BLM and a Marxist or, or whatever group get more theatrical here in our country due to the, the visibility of, of social media and whatnot, understand that that's happening all around the world. Everybody knows that they're more visible than any time in human history. Everybody has this kind of acute awareness of that. So everybody's doing a sort of theater, a, a sort of theatrical thing, right? And I'm not saying we should take what Erdogan said lightly, because absolutely we should not. I've always said we can't trust Erdogan and we can't trust the Turks because who knows where their loyalties really lie. And I've told you all before, the Turks, the Persians, uh, you know, the, the, many of these Many of these nations that are, that are now nation states are the remnants of very ancient empires, and they still have an empire complex about their role or, or their position in the world. And they're just laying in the weeds, waiting for the moment to strike, you know, to rail against the hegemony of the West. And, and we have that target on our back as America. People want to say, oh, America, America's, you know, walked all across the globe and waged all these sins. Oh, give me a break. I'm the first one that will come to the table and talk about the sins of America's past. I talked about Reagan, the CIA, the security state, toppling governments, you know, uh, uh, drugs, money, guns for, for, for profit, for, for political agendas, right? Oil and war, or war for oil or, or whatever the case. I mean, America has any long, long laundry list of sins. But... Under no circumstances does that mean we should accept the idea that, that all of these other fallen empires have a legitimate gripe against us. No, they have a historical, uh, 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 an understandable, a quite predictable historical envy of the king of the hill. Duh, of course. Of course the Ottomans, of course the Turks, the Ottoman Empire looks at America and says, East versus West. In their position of of in their in their uh in their uh declined position, of course the Persians look at the West and go East versus West in their declined position. Of course China looks at the West and goes East versus West in their declined position, and they were they are in a declined position. Remember, 
China is a 6,000-year-old civilization. At one moment in history, the Chinese empire was just as advanced as any Western empire or any Western civilization there was. They went into decline, and then they had huge problems, famine, so on and so forth, and then the, giant, the Chinese empire rose again with our money, might I add. If it wasn't for us, China wouldn't be what it is today, so they should be, they should be grateful, right? They should be sending us thank you notes nonstop before they, before they, you know, pull their pants down and show any, any envy, right? But any nation over there, any nation that used to formally be, uh, you know, significant, have an empire or whatever the case may be, any nation, any nation is going to have that natural envy. And America has a target on, a target on its back spiritually, intellectually, politically, economically, Culturally, we have a target on our back for for obvious reasons. Despite all the corruption in this country, despite all the moral decadence, this country has always been a place where people wanted to come, where people's citizens wish they could live. And there's a reason for that. So we shouldn't neglect that. We shouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. We have to refine and rebuild this nation in a way that reflects the real will of the people. And we can do that. We can win that war, and we can win a war against any would-be enemy that, that comes from another place in the world. We can win both of those wars, but we need real leadership. We need real leadership. And what do we do right now with NATO? I, I, I think back to Donald Trump's words and, and, and about the NATO deal and about pulling out of NATO. I mean, NATO, NATO's alliance it, it, coming up here is going to undermine itself, you know, with without without any help, really, right? I mean, it, you know, the, the the day is fast approaching when the NATO alliance is is going to uh, is going to crumble. And what does that have to do with us? I mean, I said it yesterday on Hotep Jesus's show. I said it early in the in the podcast this week about the neocons and, and them being Atlanticists. I've said it throughout the the the, the first one hundred episodes of this podcast in one episode or another. Um, we are not European. We are not European. The NATO alliance is an international is an international military venture to service and protect the 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 sovereignty of the crown or or Great Britain or the European Union. They can fight their own war. Why does America need to be thirty three trillion dollars in debt and continue to go into debt by by promising a portion of our GDP to protecting Europe? And then we've been this way for decades. Why aren't Europe's armies fat? Why aren't Europe's armies ready for war? Why aren't Europe's armies ready to, to take to, to, to stand guard uh, against any would-be enemy out there to the West, right? I mean, how do we have an ally in the East when we're the— I mean, when Erdogan comes—the first thing you got to remember about the Turks, there's a saying with the Turks, right? You know, uh, the, the Turks, you know, the, 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 the heart of the Turk longs for Vienna. Right. Turk, the Turkish people, you know, Turkey, uh, you know, they have a, an affection for for Europe. You know, they they want to be European. And I don't say that lightly. I mean, there is a cultural epithet in the Turkish people that has this sort of European identity to it, or, or it longs for a European identity. The heart for Turkey longs for Vienna. You can look that saying up, that phrase up. There's great historical significance to it, and, and kind of how Turkey is is you know it's part of the Middle East and it has this Muslim dynamic to it, but but it's right there on the outskirts of Europe, 
And so there's a modernity, there's a sort of westernization that Turkey has always longed for, longed to be a part of, partly why they were so uh, amenable to join in the, the NATO alliance in, in a cultural sense. So what are we going to do now? Erdogan rises to power. Erdogan now is calling for a holy war between the West and the East, and he sends a, a threat to the West through Israel and says, hey, hey, well, you know, I support him. And he's talking about saying he supports Hamas. Erdogan just came right out and said he supports Hamas. I mean, he wasn't saying stop killing Palestinians. He wasn't saying, you know, let's find a ceasefire so that the Palestinian, the, the, the innocent Palestinian civilians can, can, can find refuge or, or whatever. He was just saying, I support Hamas. Wow. I mean, talk about, you know, a little screwy in the head. And all you out there can say, hey, you know, look what Israel has done. Look what America has done. Hey, look what the Ottomans did. All you want to side with the Iranians, look what the Persians did. All you want to side, side with the Chinese look, or, or, or whoever else, you know, look at their history. Look at their empirical history. Look what the Chinese are doing now. Who are the Chinese to be the moral judge of America's uh, foreign policy, of America's uh, behavior, America's actions? Who are they to be the judge? No, we the people need to stand up and be a moral arbiter, a moral judge of our own nation's government and, and its actions. But we're not going to let some foreign some foreign authority become the, the proxy moral uh, moral judge of, of, of our nation's actions and, and thus destiny, fate. There's nothing, there's nothing remotely appropriate about that. Now China's going to be the moral judge of, of this great nation because of our, 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 uh, the sins of our history? No, 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 no. You can let Rachel Maddow and these other woke liberal uh, professors from the, from the universities tell you that sob story. They can go live in China then with their self-loathing and their self-hatred and their anti-American sentiment, not me. I'm not giving my citizenship up or my stake in American citizen, uh, citizenship over to the Chinese because of what any American did in history. I have my own life and my own destiny to pursue. So we got to be able to draw that line. Yeah, that we America's done some really bad things in history. Much of what I spend most of my time on this podcast talking about. A lot of bad things we've done in history. However, I'm not going to let the Iranians or the Chinese or the Russians for that matter or anybody else, especially the Turks, tell me how America should behave. Can't do it. Sorry, Captain. Sorry, Captain Erdogan, you can go screw yourself right along with, with Nancy Pelosi. You know, put the fatwa out on me like you try to do Enos Cantor. And look, I don't really particularly uh, trust Enos Cantor. I'm just going to tell y'all. I'm glad he spoke out against the NBA, but when you take a picture with the director of the CIA and say, this is my friend, I start to have great questions about, you know, about who you are and what you're really doing. Nobody from the CIA would ever take a picture with me because I would never be at a, a function where there would be somebody from the CIA. And if I happened to be at a function where somebody from the CIA was there, I would go out of my way not to be seen in a photo with them because I detest everything that the security state has become and the intelligence community. I think it's an infomnia to the United States Constitution. And I know Enos is not from America, so he's probably not as familiar with the United States Constitution and how the security state has been such a threat to it. I get it. On face value, I'm holding my breath on Enos Cantor. And I say that from a very personal standpoint. If any of you don't know the history, when I was going to transfer from the University of Minnesota, 
to Kentucky, Enos Cantor was also playing his first season at Kentucky, which both of us would have had to sit. And I remember John Calipari telling me, you know, you and Enos are going to be here and we're going to try and get you both eligible, which would have had us playing with John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins, who already won a national championship that year. I mean, could you imagine if Enos Cantor, myself, John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins were all on the same team? We probably would have went undefeated. And I think they only lost a game or so that year. I mean, it would have been maybe the best college basketball team in history, uh, for, seriously. Um, but anyway, I ended up not going. I went to Iowa State, and Enos Cantor ended up going to Kentucky. He didn't get to play. And Calipari said, you know, our practices have so many NBA scouts. Both of you will get drafted. He said, I'd love to coach you, and, and I'm going to coach you this year while you're here, even if we can't get you eligible. You'll, you'll be able to practice. But I'm telling you now, I know, I'm just, I'm just telling you, both of you are going to get drafted and I'll never get a chance to coach you in the, in the real season. Because they had so many NBA scouts at his, at his practices that people get drafted just from being in practice, even if they're ineligible or can't play or transferred or whatever. Well, Enos Cantor actually did get drafted and never played at Kentucky. Uh, so so I, I, I tell that story, that small story, just to help people understand that I'm equal opportunity in my skepticism and criticism of people who I have some loose personal uh, connection to. Yeah, I like Enos Cantor. He spoke, he, Enos Cantor spoke out against the NBA in much of the way I would have spoken out against the NBA had I been playing or if I was playing today, which I should be playing today, and I'm not because they know I'll speak out. Not only did I speak out about mental health, but I would have spoken out about China. I would have spoken against the vaccine mandate, and I certainly wouldn't have uh, sat by and, and, and let them play fast and loose with the truth when it comes to any of these woke politics about BLM. So that, that is something that I respect and admire about Enos Cantor. Still took a picture with the CIA director. Can't trust that. However, Erdogan, the president, President Erdogan, did put a fatwa out on uh, uh, Enos Cantor, uh, a standing kill order, so to speak, on Enos Cantor. And that's, I mean, that's significant. When, when you speak out against a country's president or a country's political leaders, and you now live in another country, and, and, uh, and that country's leaders put a standing kill order out on you, I mean, wow. It says a lot about the leaders. I mean, we know what kind of country we're we're talking about. And and as we go forward here, I mean, let let's 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 be adults about this. Again, America has many, many dark things in its past, many, many dark things in its current dealings. But there are differences between us and these nations. And and one of the significant differences up until about uh ten years ago, eight years ago when the censorship on big tech kind of took off or maybe maybe it was just in the last 5 years really i can't not 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 quite sure off the top of my head but one of the things that has always been a hallmark of american citizenship and and why people flee their own despot region uh, despot riddled uh, nations is freedom of speech so the number one thing that's been the calling card of American citizenship is now under attack by American citizens kind of tells you who those people are. But, but freedom of speech has always been uh, the, the, the calling card of, of American citizenship on the world stage. Freedom of speech, freedom of expression. 
as the ultimate representation of freedom itself, right? It's like a man can be free to move about where he wants to, but if he can't speak out against his his political elites or or his government, then he's not really free. And there's a lot of there's a lot of merit to that that philosophy, which made our founding fathers brilliant and unique amongst other nations all across the world. That we can criticize our government, we should be able to criticize our government without fear from or of fear of the government. And in Turkey, I guess that's not the case. Well, I'd say Turkey is our natural enemy. I mean, just on a fundamental basis, Turkey's our enemy. And Erdogan, you know, you're, you're, you're getting really big for your britches there, buddy. I don't know who in the West or who in the NATO alliance or who in, 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 in uh, you know, the Biden administration is, is so punk, pencil neck, uh, omnisexual, self-loathing, self-doubting, globalist, that they're letting Erdogan talk like that. I mean, I really don't, I really, you know, let's just say this. If I was president of the United States, I wouldn't incite violence or incite war, but I certainly would be stern with people who we pay the, the lion's share of, of money to in a, in a military alliance. I wouldn't let them talk like that. I can guarantee you that. I would love to, I would love to be in a room with Erdogan and have, and have the full weight of the United States government. First of all, I'd love to be in a room with Erdogan one-on-one one one and have him talk about America and the West the way he did in his last speech. I mean, take all the Secret Service people out, take all the special military, and, and you know, take all these people out of the equation, just me and Erdogan. I would love to have Erdogan in a room alone and hear him talk about America or the West the way he did in his latest speech. Oh, I would, oh, I would pay money. I would pay money to get in a room alone with Erdogan and hear him talk like that. And so, see, as, as much as they want to talk about their anti-Western sort of uh, culture, right, personality there with the, with the Turks and Erdogan and, and say how soft we've become, which we have, partly because we elect soft leaders, milk toast, uh, half-baked, not leaders who are militant pipe hitters, smash-mouth populists like me. Hopefully we'll change that. The referendum's on you. But... Part of the narrative is 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 uh, dishonest to begin with because these leaders enjoy a sort of posh, luxurious position as well. And Erdogan's not a tough guy. First of all, he's probably he doesn't look like a very big guy, but he's not a tough guy to be to be promulgating and promoting, advocating for war like that. I mean, unless you're ready to, I mean, unless you're ready to do individual combat, unless you're really ready to to be able to go one on one and fight to the death. I don't think that you should really be able to, to, to talk like that about, about war that implicates millions of, of other people. I mean, there's a lack of humility and, and, and a sort of radical arrogance and, and narcissism in that alone. And Erdogan and a lot of these other world leaders show it. And of course, he has to make it a holy thing, right? He says, uh, does, the, does the West want to... Does the rest the West want a war between the cross and the crescent? Oh, he's just feeding the narrative, right? I mean, he's just feeding the neocon narrative. I saw, I saw Mark Levin tweet uh, that that there were Islamo Nazis, that the final solution had to be Israel's. The final solution that, that there could be no two state solution. There can never be a two state solution. That the final solution has to be Israel's final solution to drive Hamas from the the river to the sea. 
whoa, these people are intemperate. I mean, these people have no, no, you know, no self-restraint. Fine, find Hamas, kill every one of them. They want to go to war? Hey, time to go to war. Once you make the decision to go to war, you got to deal with the consequences. Part of those consequences sometimes are death, right? And obviously, you know, they they seem to think that they're, uh, they seem to think that they're ready for that. Okay, you know. As my grandfather used to say, you're going to get everything you want. The question is, do you want everything you're going to get? No. The saying is, you're going to get everything you're asking for. The question is, do you want everything you're going to get? Some people's eyes are bigger than their stomach, and then you get a stomach ache, or then your stomach just explodes because you're such a such a, a gluttonous uh, gluttonous mf'er. Um, but you know, so you know, Hamas wanted to go to war. They, you know, they they made a bold move, commit atrocity against innocent people. Well. Here comes the payback. Here, here comes the retaliation. You sent the message. Now they got to send you one back. Find every person who's a, you know, a Hamas who was a part of these attacks. Kill them. Fine. What's it got to do with us? Number one. But number two, what's it got to do with any of the innocent Palestinians there? And how do you separate the two? These are not easy questions. America's role? Easy, easy answer. We're not involved. We're definitely not sending unlimited aid when our border's wide open. The hard answer is, how do we speak to it morally as a as one of the premium uh, superpowers in, in in world politics? If there's a way that the Palestinians, the rest of the Palestinians, the innocent Palestinians, could get out of the line of fire, obviously that's ideal. Tough question and tough answer, right? I mean, I said from the very beginning, the only the only way that they could potentially uh, rid Hamas is if they believe in their intelligence to be able to identify who Hamas is. And they started with that narrative, and now they've migrated from that narrative. The, the narrative began with, we're going to go door to door. We're going to go kick down every door and find Hamas because we know who they are and we know where they're at, or we'll, we'll find out where they are. Well, everybody called bullshit on that narrative from the beginning because they said, hey, if you have such great intelligence and, and such a, a confidence in finding these people, how did this attack happen in the first place? That's a really reasonable and logical question. I asked it myself on day one. It doesn't sound right. And then they abandoned that and said, hey, we're just going to drop bombs, you know, airstrike them all. Maybe, maybe we'll get them, maybe we won't. Maybe we kill uh, the American hostages that are there, maybe we don't. I mean, now you have families in Israel, whether they be left or right, pr- protesting in the streets to bring the, the, um, the hostages home. And I still, you know, for the life of me, I still don't understand how a country that has enemies on all sides has a citizenship that, that, that has essentially a Second Amendment, and they're not all carrying guns, especially that close to the wall. Somebody, somebody tell me what's going on there. Is there, is there a sort of, uh, you know, is there a sort of a, a, a soft culture you know, seeping in there in, in, in Israel, like, like here in America? And it's a cautionary tale. I don't say this at the, you know, I don't say this to try and cash in politically at the, at the, at the plight of the people who lost their lives in that atrocity. But it is a cautionary tale that all of you need to become very, 
very familiar with the fundamental philosophy and utility of the Second Amendment. Because you can't tell me that if those Israeli citizens had been had been taking the Second Amendment or their right to bear arms or their bearing arms seriously, that some of those people wouldn't have been saved. And when President Trump said these people are smart, you think it's by accident that they that they attacked a music festival or that they attacked the part of Israel that they attacked? Or you think that they didn't have, uh, uh, you know, intelligence? About the uh, about about the the, the daily activity or or the the you know the bearing of arms the culture of of arms bearing in those Israeli residential areas you think they didn't know that these people don't carry guns around I mean if it's me and I live in Israel I don't care how I don't care how posh Tel Aviv gets I don't care how posh you know any of these places get. We got enemies on all sides by their narrative. We got to always be armed and ready to go, right? I mean, if the, if, the, if the region is so bad that you have people like Mark Levin saying nuclear war may be an option, then how is that same citizen base not always ready for their surrounding enemies to invade their country? The two don't add up. The two don't square. Or maybe the citizens have just gone soft. I mean, it's possible. It's possible. But what I do know, what I am saying is this. We, beca- we have to become clear on it. I don't know the answer. I don't know if there can be a two-state solution. I don't know if there can be peace. I don't, I don't mean to, you know, kind of chuckle at it, but it's just like these things are so far from, from what American citizens and American leaders need to be thinking about. They're just so far. I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, well, but why are we so caught up in this? I I don't want to be involved. You know, I'm just like, you know, I'm like the kid who who's at the playground and and you know, you see two brothers or two cousins at the playground and they're having a fight and it's obviously about something that happened, you know, back at the family household that has nothing to do with the game of basketball going on at the park right now for you anyway. I just came to play at the park and you two are getting an argument and getting a fight and really it's Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon. I got other stuff I could be doing. I'm just going to get on my bike and, and, and head out, guys. I'm just, I don't want to be a part of this. But that hasn't been America's position. America is now forced to defend its foreign and interventionist policy, its, its interventionist foreign policy that the neocon, neoliberal military industrial complex set in motion a long time ago. So it's very hard for us as a country, as a nation, as a government, and even as a people to pull back from that, that, that norm, that status quo, and stand in the mirror and say, we're way out over our skis here. We don't even know how we're being attacked. Now our NATO ally, Turkey, is threatening the entire West when the heart of Turkey yearns for Vienna? Oh, give me a break, Erdogan. Take a chill pill, my man. You want to start a holy war with the Christians? Isn't it, isn't it a common narrative that, that, that the Catholics, that the Templars, that the, that the, the, the white Christians from Europe, isn't it, a, isn't, it a, isn't it a common narrative that the Christians committed genocide against the Muslims and the Crusades? Which one is it, Erdogan? Which one is it, Erdogan? You got balls of steel? You want to make it a holy war? 
or, or did the Christians get the best of you last time or did we beat that ass last time? Which one is it? Just tell me. Because here in the West, we, you know, we're not Islamo-Nazis like Mark Levin said. Some of us are America first. And we just want to defend our own border. We, we want to have a country. We want to have a country with borders. We're worried about getting back to that reasonable baseline of American citizenship and America's existence, America's political footing. And you want to talk about a war? What, 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 show, me, show me how many B-2 stealth bombers they have in Turkey. Oh, and if you had them, who sold them to you? Are we selling B-2 stealth bombers to, to uh, potentially uh, hostile mortal national enemies? Are, American, are, America's arm, are, are America's arms manufacturers, military industrial complex, allowed to sell propri proprietary technology to, to, to enemies that are potentially, uh, to, to nations that are potential enemies? I don't know the answer to that. I'm going to look it up tonight. I have an answer for you Friday when I bring Professor Penn on and we'll talk about some of these global issues. Nobody better source of, of the history and the feel of things than the great Professor Penn for Friday's Family and Friend episode. I don't know if we're giving B-2 bombers to Turkey through, through the, you know, the allyship of our NATO alliance. But if we are, we better fucking stop. I'll tell you that. We better quit. Because Erdogan is saying war between the East and the West. And if we're not selling them B-2 bombers, if I was Erdogan, I'd take a, I'd, 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 I'd take a moment and gather myself. Because <laughs> when I look at those videos, I'm just going to tell you as a person who understands the, the, who, uh, as a person who understands basic military, military engagement, who understands combat, who has that intuition for, for combat and battle, I'll tell you one thing, when I see those videos of those B-2 stealth bombers flying over Palestine, oh, spooky, scary. And that, and that B-2 stealth bomber gets to flying straight at you at the right vantage point, and you can barely see it. It's so thin on the front end, you can barely see it. And it's carrying four, you know, four 10 kiloton nuclear, uh, four kiloton Nuclear weapons, nuclear warheads, plus whatever else it has in the arsenal. Erdogan, you better, you better, you better gather yourself. Okay, so I'm not here to fear monger, right? And, and don't let the conservative media or the Western media fear monger you, fear monger to warmonger. Don't let them do it to you, because I'm sure they'll show you the rise of Islam. Oh, the rise of Islam is coming. We got to do something over here. It's all at the service. It's all in the interest of the Europeans. None of them want to cross that. None of them want to cross the big blue to come tangle with, the, with, with, with America. They can talk that West, West, West stuff all they want to. They can talk that East versus West Coast stuff all they want to. I feel like I'm in a 1990s rap beef, East versus West. Come on, give me a break. They can talk that if they want to. None of them want to cross that big blue ocean to, to, to come dance with, 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 you know, to come dance with America, to come dance with the United States of America with the red, white, and blue. They know we do war. They know we do war well. 
Yeah, the West has become a little esoteric and intellectual, a little, a little soft around the edges, a little strange out there on the real fringe. Absolutely. But don't get it twisted. Brawn and bullets, it's still, it's still the fundamental cornerstone of what makes America, America. And that was granted to us by our founding fathers as, a, as an ideology. And where we've given that up, where we've lost that footing is in this false sense of security by this globalist project of military industrial complex. We got to get back in front of that mirror and ask ourselves, are we the master of our destiny and our freedom and our safety? And along that same, that, that same line of thought, I just thought it was so interesting. I thought it was so interesting. I came across this video of, uh, I, I came across this video here of uh, Glenn Beck. And I, I want to say this. Glenn Beck has been a great media talent, great media personality. I've enjoyed some of Glenn Beck's work. When Glenn goes to talk about world issues, I remember him on the whiteboard. He had he he was he was trying to put his finger on the button, and and at the time he couldn't bridge the gap that Alex Jones has has been able to bridge in his broadcast. And I I don't think it's 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 any coincidence. I think there are things that Glenn Beck has been unable to say because of the position of his media career and his in his broadcasting career that Alex Jones has been able to say because he's been more independent and and sort of renegade in his own career. So I don't think it's by accident that that Glenn was never really able to bring the 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 full throat to the conversation that Alex Jones brings. That's a pause. I'm sorry. I had to say pause. But I do I will admit that that Glenn Beck is a, an incredible media personality. So it was it was disheartening to come across this this piece of uh, of, of content. Uh, it was shared with me over the last couple of days, and and uh, it was shared in a in a way that was to suggest that when you watch this, it becomes clear why why your friend, like uh like 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 Jason Whitlock, for example, um, has has sided the way that he sided in this this latest conflict. And I just want to play this for you. Take it take it for what you will. And, and then, uh, you know, I'll, I'll comment on it in, in a moment. I don't know why I was born. But there is something about the state of Israel that connects deeply to me. To have the privilege to stand with the Jew is a tremendous honor, spiritually. So I want to read a letter that I wrote that I am sending to the state of Israel. To Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and the honorable officials at the state of Israel. In this moment, I have chosen to ask you for citizenship in the state of Israel. I have nothing to offer but my voice of support. And some might say that my support might be more valuable as an independent voice. Perhaps they're correct. But my request for citizenship is not about words. It is about deeds. Why, one might wonder, would I want to embrace a heritage and identity that is so ruthlessly hunted down again and again? Yet it is precisely during such moments that we must choose 
to stand. I anticipate no privileges or exemption from the state of Israel. I instead yearn to align myself with those willing to rise, to fight, and sacrifice for the fundamental right to live. Is this not what both Israel and America embody? In closing, my desire for dual citizenship does not stem from any expectation of gain, but from a deep-rooted belief in standing with what is right and true. Ten years ago, I took my children to Israel for the first time, but we first visited Auschwitz in Poland. I told them, you cannot understand Israel without the Bible or Auschwitz. May Israel remain an eternal flame of hope, a beacon of resilience, and a testament to the enduring human spirit. I don't know why. Disturbing. I mean, disturbing to say the very least. Number one, with everything I know about the content from The Blaze and its its constant ridicule of the left and the woke left and this sort of this this cringy sort of uh, virtue signaling happy talk from BLM times up uh, trans activists uh, about about the the horrors and evils of the west i don't know why glenn beck thought that it would be prudent proper appropriate to do the exact same thing in a sort of neocon pro-Israel fashion. And that, that's exactly what that sounds like. Respectfully, you know, respectfully, not respectfully. I mean, I say with all due respect, but I really don't respect this. Because now we're, you know, we all talk about globalism on the right, which we're right to do. We're, to, we're right to talk about the dangers of globalism and the, the undermining and, and surrendering and managed decline and, and corruption to, to destroy American citizenship coming from the left. Well, this is the exact same thing in our own camp. Now we're going to give up our citizenship for dual citizenship in Israel? What business do you have being a citizen of, of Israel? I don't even, I don't even understand that. Is, is Glenn Beck Jewish? I don't even know Glenn Beck to be Jewish, to, to, you know, to be quite honest. Maybe he is. Maybe I'm mistaken. Maybe he is. I don't know that to be true. I've never heard that. I've never read that. I've never seen that. And I, and I follow Glenn Beck's work, so maybe I haven't followed close enough. I mean, hey, some of you that know me would know that, you know, my great-grandfather was Norwegian and my great-grandmother was from Aguas Calientes, Mexico, and my black family came from by way of the South like most did in Arkansas, Kentucky, uh, you know, Kansas, and, you know, slave trade. Okay. We don't know everything about a person's ethnicity or, or past. Usually it's not important, except when the strange occurrence that a man who is in the middle of a citizenship crisis in his own country writes a very, very awkward sort of uh, type letter to the Israeli leadership to ask for dual, dual citizenship. Did that was that strange to anybody else? I'm just asking a real question here. You know, feel free to drop in the comments. Maybe I'm way off base. You know, and I can see where you find you know that uh, a good letter in some poetic sense. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying it wasn't well written. Right? It wasn't thoughtful. I'm, you know, I'll, I'll grant it. It was heartfelt. Okay, and we all feel a sense of of love and and spiritual connection to the Jewish people. At least we should as Christians. I get that part of it. 
I have very dear Jewish friends myself. One will be on the show Friday, Friday evening. And if I played him this video, he would spit on the floor. I mean, it's, it's actually kind of disgusting what, what's going on here. This is the wokeism that seeped into the right. This is the woke right. And for some reason, the right tends to be woke around these Israel matters. It's horrifying. What, what, what are you asking for dual citizenship for so you can stand with the universally persecuted? You sound like every other Marxist BLM professor who tells white people they should give up their American citizenship because of what white men did in the past. In fact, you're the one who criticized that on a daily basis. I mean, this is part and parcel of the same sort of incongruent, contradictory line of thought that we saw from his uh, protege, Jason Whitlock. Same thing. Same sort of incongruence, you know. This person's wrong for blocking me. That person's wrong for ducking a conversation. But when Royce criticizes me one time, very softly, very, very loving and uplifting, I'm blocking him. I'm out. I can't deal with the conversation. Just bold, bold, bold-faced contradiction. Mark Levin, Donald Trump, we got to be America first. We got to be America first. You know, I support Donald Trump, kangaroo court this, kangaroo court that. This is unconstitutional. You know, I'm the constitutional guru. But when Matt Gates goes to the, the well of the Congress and says this entire town is hollowed out by lobbyism and special interests, now Matt Gates is a fringe extremist in the Republican Party. The same way Nancy Pelosi said it. And oh, this is the coup de gras. I mean, this this is the the this this video of Glenn Beck pleading, you know, poetically pleading for for dual citizenship in Israel. Even if he's Jewish, I mean, even if he's Jewish, I don't like this type of this type of video. I'm not look Mexico, Norway. I mean, I have some ancestral connection to some other places as well through ethnic. I'm not going to write a letter to plead for citizenship, dual citizenship, if they come into some conflict or war or for any reason, under any auspices, because of my understanding of American citizenship. And it's very disheartening because somebody like Glenn Beck, who is a historian of, of this nation and, and citizenship, the, I mean, Glenn Beck is a real historian. If any of you don't know, know that, Glenn is a historian, right? I mean, that's part of what legitimizes Glenn's broadcasting work is because he's a, he is a, he's a genuine historian. What is going on here? I'm just trying to I'm just trying to paint both sides of the coin of what appears to be a complete and utter psyop about about identity politics and 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 a, a sort of ethnic racial uh, 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 religious fealty that stretches all around the world that has nothing to do with American citizenship. It's like at every turn they have a distraction for you to for you to you know bite on for you to for you to you know accept for you to pay for and a distraction for you to pay for. Now now we should. I mean, what is going on here? Somebody drop it in the comments. Maybe Glenn Beck is Jewish. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But even if he is, even if he is, to, to ask for suicide, why are we at why why would you want to be a citizen? Oh, no, you know, now you're gonna what spend your your summers in, in Tel Aviv? You know, are you kidding me? I thought the Muslims are coming, Glenn. I thought the Muslims, are you gonna go fight? Are you are you gonna go enroll in the IDF? Are you gonna go learn Krav Maga? 
You're 50, you're 50 pounds overweight wearing a fucking cardigan on your daily broadcast show. You're not ready for a war. I mean, I wear a card, I wore a cardigan a couple of weeks back. Nice heathered gray cardigan. I thought it was really good. I I I I was pleasantly surprised that I was even able to find a cardigan in my size that could fit my shoulders. But I'm 270 pounds with a 36 waist. I'm in the peak condition of my life. If I wanted to, to, to become a dual citizen of a, of a, you know, of a, of a persecuted peoples or nations just on the sole basis of wanting to help them and support them and fight them, at least I'm really willing to fight. At least I'm capable of fighting. You're not even capable of fighting, Glenn. I mean, this is a complete posh, elitist sort of, of esoteric, you know, virtue signal that the left does. And I'm saying it not to try and, you know, uh, legitimize the left or come up with an excuse or make a false equivalency. No, I hate when the left does it. And I definitely don't like when Glenn Beck does it or anybody else on the right. And for some reason, maybe it's just the moment that we're in, 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 in our country's history. Maybe it's the times we're living in because of the conflict that's, that's broken out. But when I look at this Israel issue, a lot of these right wing, a lot of these conservative commentators and, and individuals all across the country seem to do the exact same virtue signal thing that the left does. And it's not just with this issue. We, we've seen it before. We've seen, we've seen the right, for example, like for example, I'll give you another example. Another one where the right is very shaky and, and starts to just identify themselves uh, uh, you know, by comparison to the left is around issues of sexual morality and, and sexual gossip. We can't wait for a Joe Biden to slip up and, and have some of his, his sexual exploits leaked to the, the press because they, they, they are relentless in going after Donald Trump. We don't want Donald Trump on the basis of what Joe Biden isn't. We want Donald Trump because he is an anti-war president, because he questioned the fundamental deals that hold up the current, the current economic uh, you know, fabric of this country. We want Donald Trump for the good things he stood for, not for the bad things his opposition have stood for. That's not a real measure of leadership. That is a, is a low expectation of leadership. It's not a leadership that will bear fruit. It's a leadership that's catty and this kind of, you know, teenage sort of feminine back and forth. You know, I tell my young guys all the time, whether it's my young guys at my son's age, you know, his AAU team, or whether it's the guys at the high school level, as soon as you start to bicker and back and forth, you know, if you want to fight, you know, just fight. You know, if you really have a problem with each other, just fight. If you need to have a discussion, discuss things like men, right? And, and if, you, if, you, if, if none of it is really that important or that deep, let's just get back to playing. Let's just get back to doing the thing that we're here to do because all of that's just a distraction then, right? And we have that sort of catty dichotomy playing in this American political culture. It's like this side does that or they overemphasize or they take too much leeway on this. So the rebound is not. And that's another reason why I keep going back to my love and my fealty and my relationship with Steve Bannon because he's just a straight shooter. Doesn't matter which side you're on. I mean, this is just what it is. And that's leadership. And when you listen to Steve's show on a, on a continuous basis, does Steve get it right every, every time? Nobody gets it right every time. You know, shortcoming of being human right? Baked into the deal. But he's getting it right a lot of the times. And part of it is because he doesn't feel the need 
to be reaffirmed by one group or the other. He's actually taking on the mantle or duty of genuine leadership. And that's what we need in this country. And that's what I'm going to try to represent, which is why I'm pointing this out. I'm not doing it to double down on my position about Jason. In fact, I hope Jason watches this. I hope Jason sees this video and realizes if you go after Ben Shapiro, then your boys Mark Levin and, and uh, Mark Levin and Glenn Beck should be the, the, the topic of tomorrow's show. You know, can, can Jason Whitlock go on the show tomorrow and, and play this video as, as compared to his, his previous criticisms of Ben Shapiro and, and make a comparable analysis as a broadcaster? And if you can't do that, then you should leave the blaze, my friend. You should leave the blaze because the spirit of what you really want to talk about, I, and I, I know you, right? I'm not one of your audience members. I'm not in the live chat. I know you. I've talked to you. The spirit of what you really want to talk about, something ain't allowing you to talk about it. Or you're only talking about it if it doesn't affect you, which makes you a hypocrite. And many of us have real hypocrisies in our life. I'm not saying that we don't. We, don't all, we all struggle with that. But, I mean, this is pretty significant. I mean, we're in a crisis of, we're in a crisis of cultural understanding and valuing of our citizenship. And here, one of the leading conservative voices is begging for dual citizenship in another country. Pleading for citizenship in another country. You know, it's like these guys that, that, that go play in Europe and, and, you know, they go play in Italy and, and then they want I, I get that. I mean, I get if you if you work like, you know, the basketball players, they do this right. This is how Brittany Griner got caught up in the situation she was in. And I think it's ridiculous how that whole narrative was 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 fenced. It's like, I don't know why if Russia is our mortal enemy and the State Department knows that we're pushing weapons up on NATO's border. But you say you care about black women's lives for some esoteric political reason. Don't you want to warn black women that they shouldn't be traveling at a time when shit's going to pop off between us and Russia? I mean, did anybody from the State Department come to, to, to Brittany Griner or the WNBA and said, hey, we know that, that, that some women get paid more around the world than they do in the WNBA, and it's common for them to go seek, you know, uh, you know basketball employment overseas? You know, you guys might want to tell your, your, your women league-wide, it's not safe to go to Russia. And, and, and then if you tell them that it's not safe to go to Russia, then if you go to Russia anyway to pursue money or your own professional interests, we're not coming to get you because we're at war. But you see how transparency or the lack thereof transparency starts the entire situation off from a very faulty place? And I don't know how the whole Brittany Griner thing worked out, and I don't know if she was told or not that Russia was a hostile nation. I know that the Joe Biden administration was in power when Brittany Griner made the decision to go to Russia, and if they had previous knowledge that the, the relationship between uh, Ukraine and Russia or the West and Russia was deteriorating, they could have easily sent somebody for the State Department to, 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 to forewarn the WNBA or any athletes of any sport that have business there in Russia that it's no longer safe. And if they're not doing that, they're not actually governing properly. They're not governing in your interests. They're just pulling shit. They're just doing moves, and they don't care how it affects anybody else. And then they want to capitalize on the, on the, then they want to cash in 
on on the political capital of going to get Brittany Griner. Yeah, you should have went and got her. Yeah, I guess you are obligated to go get her when you when you let your citizens travel about the world, you know, carrying a U.S. passport and they aren't fully aware of the dangers of enemies that we're going to go to war with. And I say that I don't agree with any of Brittany Griner's politics or, or you know, the, the woke left that tried to, you know, make that a big deal. I just don't agree with their worldview. But I understand what government is supposed to do. And really, when you look at it, Joe Biden getting a medal, you know, getting any type of brownie points for bringing Brittany Griner home is a complete and utter farce. You all should have told her what the shit, what the deal was before she went. That's government. That's governance. If you care so much about black women and the equality and equity of the WNBA versus the NBA, you know, why don't you have your little CI State Department handlers walk on down to the WNBA office and say, guys, we can't go to Russia right now. And if you go, we're, we're probably not going to be able to come get you. I mean, that, that might sound like a tangent, but what I'm trying to articulate here is a lot of people in the basketball world seek dual citizenship when they go play abroad. Guy plays in Italy for 10 years. He's been living there. He's got a wife. She's probably Italian. He's got a kid. Kid goes to school there or the kid, you know, or wife and kid are from the United States and they move there and the kid goes to international school. And I've seen it a lot of times, right? Jelly Bean Bryant, right? Kyrie Irving's dad played overseas. We see it a lot of times in the basketball world. And to be quite honest, I don't like that. Now, going to Europe is different. Why? Because, you know, the Atlantic Charter still provides provides much of the, the the international diplomacy between us and the European Union. So even if you get jammed up and get caught in some coup d'etat there in the in the Eastern Bloc from some, you know, Chechenian or whatever, you know, terrorist sale or whatever the case may be, we still have a lot of diplomatic ties with the country, at least, that you're going to. But, you know, all of you people out there better become more politically aware. And I say this in this episode to, to show you how the global affects the local. You know, everybody thinks it's fun and games. Everybody wants to be this posh world traveler. Everybody wants to go on a cruise or everybody wants to, you know, uh, you know, go go bungee bungee uh, jump or 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 skydive and and, and you know, Turks and Caicos or or the Galapagos Islands or, or, you know, wherever you're going, you know, whatever's on your little vision board for the year. Everybody wants to go somewhere else. I don't know. I grew up I grew up watching Cheers, you know. I want to go where everybody knows my name. I know that may sound corny, but I love Cheers and I love the theme song and I love the premise, right? It's just a nice, wholesome little bar where it's a real sense of community. I mean, and there's so much community that there's a whole show based on the kind of the kind of interactions that would take place at such a at such an establishment. I really like that. I mean, you'll learn over the course of this podcast. I'm not a I'm not a all I'm not a um I'm not all a bite and bark guy. I'm actually kind of nice. Right, which was why I was so taken aback by by Jason's actions this week. I've been nothing but nice to that man. I've been nothing but nice to the people in Fearless. I've done nothing but try to extend my my knowledge and my historical research and and the things that I'm that I'm willing to say that maybe others aren't to the Fearless crew and the Fearless audience. And there's going to be no more talking about Jason after this. I'm showing this video and I mention him only because this video was sent to me and it was just alarming. This video is so alarming. I actually for for a split moment I thought it was artificial intelligence. I'm not gonna lie. I still can't verify it. If any of you can verify it, you know, you know, in the comments, drop the link to the, the episode this came from or, or something like that. I'd like to watch the full context of the episode. If, if I'm maybe missing something, I'm sure I'll, 
I would would gladly come back on and correct myself. But but there's nothing else that he could probably say that would change the fact that I'm I'm concerned about people who who see and and discuss and and cash in on on political conversations about the obvious crisis of American citizenship here at home and then ask for dual citizenship in the middle of a country surrounded by all its enemies. Well, what, what, what kind of masochism do we have going on in the American culture? <laughs> this has been another episode of Please Call Me Crazy brought to you by Free People Radio and powered by our favorite sponsor, TireGit.com. That's TireGit.com. Get your tires there. You have to buy tires from somebody. You might have bought, might as well buy them from us and help fund the movement, help support the movement. We believe in the freedom of movement. And that's exactly what the establishment means to take from you now. I am your host, Royce White, here from the belly of the beast, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Friday is family and friends with the great Professor Penn. And I look forward to that conversation. Hopefully we can hold the professor down for about three hours. I'd love to do a real long form for Friday so you can enjoy it in parts over the weekend if that's what you like to do. Some of you are homebodies like me. And on the weekends, there is no more going out. There is no more, you know, having a having a good old a good old jolly time. You know, I'm I'm very slow to to go out. Maybe go out to eat. You know, maybe maybe, you know, go to a friend's house and you know, have a whiskey or something like that. I'm just coming off of a seven day cabbage diet after I did my three day water fast, and now I'm going to go back into a a two day water fast to finish this first part of my my uh, my diet plan and it's been kind of brutal. The cabbage diet was brutal, especially to go through with everything that happened this this past week. Uh, the cabbage cabbage is rough on the digestive system, but good for detox. But but anyway, I just fin- finished that, so hopefully I'll enjoy a nice whiskey this this weekend. Uh, I haven't had a whiskey in about two two months, so um, you know I do stuff like that on the weekends sometimes. Maybe a cigar now and then. Try to limit it. Uh, I don't really think smoking anything is is really good for the lungs. Definitively, you could probably say anything that you burn, that you inhale, is is not going to be great for the for the system. Uh, but 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 man man you know mankind I, I get has to have some some indulgences uh, at, at different points in time. I'm not I'm not gonna I'm I'm not the I'm not your your priest. Right? I'm not your judge. You know judge lest judge not lest you be judged. I'm your uncle. I just want to bring some sane, logical, reasonable, common sense to the discussions that are taking place all across the the, the country and all across the world. So um, if you're not, if you're like me and you're more of a homebody these days, I'm going to try and get a nice long podcast done for Friday with Professor Penn so you can enjoy it over the course of the weekend in different parts if you would like. And um, that's it for me here from the front. Belly of the Beast. Um, gonna take you out with this strange art video I saw. And uh, if you can't see it, oh, just listen. If you can see it, if you can find the video, this is where our world's headed to, people. This is exactly where our world's headed to. These are our leaders. And you have to understand that. The fight continues. Oh, you know what? I'm not gonna play the video. No, you know what? I am gonna play the video. I'll put it in afterward, okay? So we're going to end with the video, and um, we appreciate your viewership and listenership today and in the future. Freepeopleradio.com, 
You can find out where you can watch and listen to the podcast. Um, also, there should be a link to our patron platform, uh, Patreon, Donor Box, Subscribe Star, and Locals. We're still flushing out those platforms. The great Tim Gordon of the Retrograde, the Rules for Retrograde podcast, is helping us out. He has a similar patron uh, format or tier system, and we're, we're going to try and implement some of what he's already laid the groundwork for so we can be self-sustaining and not need to rely on people who own companies or are the, 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 the founders of companies or, or uh, influential at companies that beg for dual citizenship. We don't want to have to be subject to any of that type of, of oversight. So uh, go to the Patreon platform and donate some money if you so choose and, and, and shop around in our store if you so choose. Hopefully that will be up and running by tonight at midnight. I appreciate it. I appreciate you stopping by for another episode. I know we got a, a ton of new subscribers. If you're new, sometimes I go an hour and 30 minutes. Sometimes I go an hour. Today I went two hours because, hey, it's just that kind of Wednesday, right? Um, I appreciate you all being here. I really do. I thank you for your love and support. I thank you for the people who have seen the recent conflict between me and Jason and have sent their love and support and, and continue to support the podcast. Um, I'm not doing this to grow an audience for audience sake. I just want to have a conversation and be somebody who can give common sense. But but to, to end and, and to, to head out here, I want to say continue to pray for my dear friend Jason Whitlock and, and that he uh, grow and see the truth, to see the path forward, to see the light, to see um, the potential that he has to, to really go down in history as one of the most important voices at a time where, where we as Americans and free people all around the world need it the most. The fight continues. Don't die a jerk off. And as always, Godspeed.